This week on Invasion of the Podcast, we continue the year of the sequel with an extreme close-up on 1993's Wayne's World 2. Is it worthy or not worthy? Coming this summer. Oh, no. Disaster. It's in theaters now. That can only mean one thing. Doggone it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It looks like they've ordered a sequel. (laughs) Now. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. The legend continues. What's it called? It's called, uh... Robocop 2. The... Works 2. It's called... The Invasion of the Podcast. Part 2. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. The year of the sequel. Too risky. Sequels are almost always disappointing. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. Uh, my name is Paul, uh, and uh, party on, Steve. I I would prefer to be called Screaming Steve. Screaming uh, Steve. That's... Yeah, I'm Han- I'm Hanson Paul. Uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's who I am. I thought about screaming, but I was like, I didn't give you any forewarning, oh. so I shouldn't scream really loud. But uh, yes, uh, hello everybody. Thanks for uh, listening to this fine program. <laughs> Made possible by viewers like you and me paying ten dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our uh, our weird foray into Pale Boy Summer. Uh, that was a fun series of films to talk about. Uh, we decided to kind of after not that like those movies were necessarily all heavy, but it, we wanted to kind of pivot in something a little different. So we ended up going, doing our year of the sequel, uh, getting into uh, Wayne's World Two, which we'll talk about more in a second. But as is customary here on the show, we got to talk about weekend things because I know you guys are all interested in our weekend. So Steve, what did what did you get into? Uh, I think the the biggest thing I did this weekend was. Uh... Uh, I completed the Fear Street trilogy. Uh, for those of you who have Netflix, there's a Fear Street 1994 is the first part. Fear Street 1978 is the second part. And then Fear Street 1666, I believe, is the third part. Uh, they all take place in different eras, but the stories connect. Um, I believe last week I mentioned that uh, I caught myself uh, tightening up about, like, story inaccuracies and like it was like you know this is no dumber than the movies that you watch as a kid your friday the 13th whatever uh and if you see the second one it takes place at a summer camp and is very much inspired by friday the 13th uh not surprisingly that was my favorite of the three um but yeah it's a uh, it's an enjoyable watch overall like uh, it's again it's that thing of like don't think about it too hard because you'll start to be able to pull at strings plot wise but overall, a, a pretty well put together trilogy of films, um, particularly the fact that they chose to have the stories go uh, between three different time periods. Uh, so I was I was really impressed with that. I think the only thing that I mentioned last week that uh, really uh, hit me hard was the fact that uh, the overuse of music, the wanting to fill every moment with a song from the 90s. And that happens a little bit in 78 and uh not so much in 1666 because there weren't any hot jams happening back then. I mean, to our knowledge, you know, yeah. like they, I don't know if they didn't really have needle drops, but it would be like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, organ drops or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend it. It's fun to watch. Uh, it was quite enjoyable. Um, 
I think uh, it, it was actually knowing that it was based on a young adult series by R.L. Stein. I was actually surprised by some of the chances it took. Um, not having ever read a Goosebumps or a Fear Street, uh, it was a little bit more in line with 80s horror movies where there's, you know, drugs and sex and things like that happening in the story. And I'm like, wow, I, I, I guess I don't know what qualifies as a young adult novel. So I don't know if this is coming from the, the source material or if this is additions that they're making because the people who would have read those books are now adults. But um, I, I would say check them out if you're a horror fan. I think they're fun. Cool. I was, yeah, I was reading about like some of the, some of the gore and some of the things they were doing. And I don't, I don't know if that's in the original material. Um, I, I read like one RL Stein book that was not like goosebumps, not like fear street. It wasn't like aligned with any type of like ongoing series. It was definitely young adult at the time. I mean, it still is. It's not like the book itself has changed. Um, but it was pretty good and it had a decent little story to it, but it, you know, it, it, it didn't, didn't go those directions, but it still had fun. And like, so I think he, I think maybe, you know, knowing that these three films were originally intended for like the original project was theatrical releases. Maybe that's where some of that DNA comes from of like, if you're going to do this you're going to, you're going to have to make it, you know, reasons for people to come to the theater. Maybe that's why that is. Yeah, that's very possible. And uh, like I said, I was just I was kind of surprised. I was expecting it to be very uh, not PG-13 because violence, you can you could do pretty much anything. I think uh, in a movie now these days, get a PG-13 rating like I I'm always surprised at, uh, you know, what it takes to get an R and it's usually nudity or cursing these days. So uh, I wasn't so surprised by the 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 gore, but I, I was surprised by some of the story beats and um, particularly with sexuality, sex in general. And then uh, there's a lot of drug use, not drug use. There's a lot of drugs play heavily into two of the films. So okay. I was kind of surprised by that. So okay, cool. Uh, so that you, is that it for your weekend? You were living on fear street. I was living on fear street. That was about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, my weekend kind of got just, I turned around, it was gone. So somebody had like stolen it from me and drove it away in a van. I don't know. But um, I what I did sit down and watch was actually last night I watched with my wife. Uh, we watched uh, uh, the Pixar movie Soul, which I know that's been out for almost a year now. It was released on Christmas Day, I know. But we just hadn't watched it. Have, have you seen Soul? I haven't. It was, again, one of those things where it was like, oh, Christmas Day. We're like, well, let's watch it. And for whatever reason, we didn't. And we just forgot about it. Like, I feel like it just fell out of our brains or something well because I me mean, wonder woman came out the same day on hbo max right so i think that yeah. might have been what it was um but no it, i mean it's pixar right so i mean but it's it's a wonderful film i mean then for it'd be like it'd be weird for me but like, yeah it was total trash fire don't watch it uh no it's just you know i think i think that the the um the older the people that have been with pixar longer are starting to kind of like get into some really weird areas of like of the human experience and they're translating into like family films. And I really dig that. Like this feels very like, um, like tangentially related to like inside out where they take like these big ideas and make it a very watchable film with some heft to it. Uh, so that's great. The score is amazing. Like, so this would surprise you that, um, one half of the score, it's a lot of it's jazz. A lot of it's, uh, Jean Baptiste who, um, he's the, you know, um, does the band work for Stephen Colbert. Uh, he, he won an Oscar for his work on this movie, rightfully so. But the other half of the score is by, um, Trent Reznor and Atticus, uh, Atticus Rose. 
The, I think that's the, the writing partner. I, for, I forget that. I would look it up. They're the ones that did like the, the social network and, you know, obviously Trent Reznor, you know, of nine inch nails. <laughs> like, so I was just like, that's a weird pairing. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Atticus Ross. So Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross did the other half of the score for the film. Cause it deals with like, you know, um, not necessarily the afterlife, but like the before life and it gets really mm-hmm. metaphysical in a lot of ways. It's kind of fun. Were there any lyrics like I want to violate you or anything yeah. like that? Yeah. It was really weird whenever, um, you had, um, Jamie Foxx's character actually play a jazz version of closer with all the swear words in it. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> no, it, it was like, I, I didn't realize Tina Fey was in it. She's the other co-lead. She's really good. Uh, but there what like, one of my favorite sight gags uh, of recent memories in this film. And it's, it's immediately funny. It immediately sad at the same time. And you did and like, I was howling. Mary was a sad at the, <laughs> what she saw. And it's just such a quick one off that I'm not going to ruin it from anybody, but I, I, I don't think I've had that good of a belly laugh in a while at something. And so Pixar, it also reminds me up, which was also directed by Pete doctor who directed this where, the first half of the film just makes you want to ball your eyes out. The middle half, the middle half, the, the sorry, the first third, middle third makes you just like just collapse laughing, and then the last third, you know, makes you laugh while crying, you know, and like, um, and up it was uh, whenever they're dealing with the bird named Kevin that made me laugh so hard, and they're like, so there's a bit in the middle of this movie that caught me off guard, and I was just dying. So it was it was a well needed laugh. That's interesting. I've never seen Up, but I've oh, heard the beginnings okay. uh, hilarious, and uh, it's the middle that's sad. Is it, do I have that wrong? Oh no, no, it's absolutely reversed. Like the beginning part, it's a sweet little love story that you really get to feel for the the main character and why he wants just to fly his house away. But the middle, the middle part of that, when they meet this this bird, it's kid. The kid in the story calls Kevin, and along with the dog name uh, was it um, Doug that has the talk the collar that can um, translate for him. And it's like, he's like, my name is Doug and I love you. That's every time. Like, he's just so happy to see people. Uh, you need to watch up, like be prepared, be prepared to cry a lot at first, but it's a wonderful film. And uh soul is a wonderful film as well. All right. Well, we'll see if it could touch my blackened heart. I mean, you watched onward, right? And that one onward was okay. Like I liked onward a great deal. I yeah. think, I think souls, I think soul was a better film. I, I mean, not that you could like there, those were the back to back Pixar releases. So if you watched onward, check out soul. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. I, uh, I actually should make a point to you because there's a whole bunch of Pixar movies that I still haven't seen. Uh, Incredibles 2, I love the first one. For whatever reason, still haven't watched the second one. So yeah, I was so stoked for that to come out. Didn't see it in the theater. It took me like, I don't know, till like this past year to watch it. So I get it. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, next time when I'm like, what do I go to watch? There's only, you know, 800 things that I haven't watched, but... How about I watch the Empire Strikes Back again? So <laughs> maybe I'll notice something different this time with it. <laughs> maybe it'll be a different ending. I don't know. Uh, all right, yeah, that's that's our truncated weekends. I mean, uh, yeah, that that's about it. So let's just get into uh, our year of the sequel. It's Wayne's World Two. I hope well, you I have, have one sorry. thing yes, that please. I wanted to mention real please, quick. Please, My apologies. Please. No, um, we we normally don't do news, but I just thought it was newsworthy since we've covered the sequel. Uh, this year, um, and I do apologize. You didn't get to play the bumper for news. Uh, here, we're, we're here, we'll just—it's time for some news. Why not? It's only one story, so go ahead. 
Yeah, it's just one story, and I wanted to to mention it real quick. Uh, today, Kevin Smith announced that he will be filming Clerks Three in New Jersey starting next week or next month. Oh wow, nice! Yeah, so uh, Lionsgate Gate has acquired the rights to Clerks Three, which I feel like his last three or four movies he's had to like crowdfund for, and it looks like this is actually going to be something put out by Lionsgate as opposed to him trying to you know scrape together the the cash to do it. Um, but, uh, everybody's returning, um, also including characters like Veronica from the first one. Uh, I, so I think that's interesting. Uh, Jeff Anderson is returning as Randall. Uh, Rodario, Rosario Dawson will be back as Becky. Um, Elias will be, uh, back in the story as well. Uh, so it's, it, it's an interesting idea. I don't know. I mean, his movies are a little autobiographical, so I don't know why I'm, kind of hesitant of this but the idea is is that uh randall has a heart attack and survives much like kevin smith did and decides to shoot a movie about his life in the quick stop so it could be good could be bad but uh i i i don't know I, uh, he's he's earned enough uh love for me in my uh earlier days my younger days if you will 20 years ago uh that i will check out whatever he does even if it's yoga hosers but uh Hopefully this is a return to form, and I did quite like uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So yeah, I still need to watch that. I know um, we've talked about that, but like revisiting Clerks too, though that left me feeling much better about that film than the last time I'd seen it. Right, so yeah, this is good news. I mean, I we'll we'll see. I mean, I I do love Kevin Smith. It's just that um you know there was one point in my life I would have felt that he could do no wrong, and then he um showed me that's not accurate. But he's human, right? And um, you know, not, not every, not every sequel is a winner, right? And we may be talking about some of his <laughs> other material coming up soon. So, you so know, what, we'll see what happened with, uh, twilight of the mall rats. Is that still on or is it done? Like what's going on? He with keeps that? talking about it. At one point it was a movie, then it was going to be uh, a series. And then I think it went back to being a movie. I think it's that he just can't find anybody to fund it. And I think clerks has a little bit more cachet than mall rats. Um, so I, th- I think that probably it's easier to market a clerks three than it is a mall rats too, particularly with the title oh, for twilight sure. of the mall rats. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you're absolutely right about that. So, okay. Well that, that was your, um, you're the sequel related news. So good on you, Steve, for bringing that up. Uh, but yeah, let's, if you, I hope you guys aren't tired of hearing the song ballroom blitz, uh, the music from that, because you guys are about to hear it again with our uh, the trailer here for Wayne's World 2. Um, yeah, uh, sequels that, um, huh, yeah, let's play the trailer. We'll, we'll talk about this. Paramount Pictures presents Extreme Closer! Wow! That was just like the first movie. Wayne, it's Heather Locklear. There is a God. Heather be thy name. And Garth. I feel weird. In their first movie, since their last one. What's it called? It's called, uh, uh, it's called Wayne's World 2. Yes! Wow. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. Welcome to Makita's. Uh, yes, uh, I, I, ruler, a ox, and a Makita cop. What? They've moved out of the basement. I'm what you call Sans parents. And into the spotlight. Yes, and could I please have a donut and a... Let me try to recap the order. A crawler, two sugar pucks, a Stanley cup, a large coffee with cream, a raspberry jelly donut, orange drink, and a box of five holes. 
Yeah. Thank you. It's the love affair of the year. I'm Honey Horney. Nice to meet you, Miss Horney. Take me, Garth. Where? I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. <laughs> it's the fight of the decade. <laughs> and the rock concert of the century. Mr. Campbell, you're serious about putting on a rock concert? Are you kidding? I'd give my right eye. It's Wayne. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. It's Garth. Party on. It's a whole new world. And it's hurling your way. Wayne's World 2. I almost forgot. This year, Garth finally got pubes. It's the sequel you knew was coming. You didn't tell him about my pubes, did you? No, of course not. So this week's entry in the year of the sequel is Wayne's World 2, the sequel to 1992's Wayne's World, which was popular, wildly popular, and made more money than any SNL movie had previous to this. Uh, it was a huge hit when Wayne's World came out. This is the sequel. Uh, the description from IMDb says, The inseparable duo try to organize a rock concert while Wayne must fend off a record producer who has an eye for his girlfriend. Uh, just go down the, the cast list here. Uh, first, I should just note that uh, it's directed by Steven Sergic, uh, who has directed a whole lot of things, a lot of TV, it looks like. Um, he was also the Kids in the Hall guy, uh, one of the directors on that show. Uh, I will point out that Penelope Spheris did not return for the sequel. Uh, I will also point out that I think that that hurts the sequel, but we'll get to that when we get there. Um, we have uh, Mike Myers returning as Wayne Campbell. Uh, I'm sure you all know who he is, so we won't go through his credits. Same with Dana Carvey, who returns as Garth Algar. Uh, we've got Tia Carrera uh, returning as Cassandra, which I think this actually is probably her biggest role. Um, maybe True Lies, uh, other well, people might point to. You're talking about the Pauly Shore movie, Jury Duty? <laughs> I saw that in the theater. As did I. <laughs> uh, so yes, Jury Duties, Tia Carrera. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms also, of like, I think she had a bigger, I think she had a bigger, like in terms of like actual screen time, I think she had a bigger role in that. But in terms of like prominence, yes, I would agree with you. True Lies is probably it. <laughs> Uh, she's also known for, uh, the she movie that never got made. She was a, uh, comic, uh, from the nineties, bad girl phase, uh, that she was rumored to be starred in for a very long time. I think she actually even posed for some covers for it to try and build publicity for it becoming a movie. Uh, we have Christopher Walken as Bobby Khan. uh, Christopher Walken, uh, he's made an appearance already this year in a year of the sequel talk. He was in, uh, Batman returns, uh, he's also in um, everything from Pulp Fiction to The Prophecy to uh, At Close Range, which uh, is a really good movie, but really super depressing. Um, I'm pretty sure you've all heard the More Cowboys. Uh, more Cowboy. I could go more for More Cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> that, you sound like now, you're, you sound like near dark. That's what it sounds like. You go for More Cowboys. <laughs> More Pale Boys. Right. Yes, more Pale Boys. Uh, no, the famous more cowbell sketch from uh, Saturday Night Live, which I actually wish he would have played that producer in this movie instead of this. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> Let's see here. We also have Chris Farley as Milton, who uh, appears as a different character in the first one. Or maybe it's supposed to be the same character, and I didn't pick up on I, that. I think it's a different character, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, Chris Farley as Milton. We've got Ralph Brown as Del Preston. Uh, those of you who uh, know who Del Brown is, you'll know him uh, for having the uh, the super important part of Rick Oley in uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace Episode 1. Uh, I'm just kidding about that. He is in that movie, but if you took him out, uh, it's probably 30 seconds of screen time. He's actually, I just realized this cause I looked at him. He's Aaron and alien three. So he was the second in command. The one that they kept calling, um, his IQ cause they found out that he was mm-hmm. low IQ. That was him. Okay. Um, yeah, I looked through his IMDb real quick and I was like, Oh, he's in a star Wars movie. Oh, he, Oh, okay. He was Rick Oley. Um, so no, not to disparage him. I think he actually turned down the sequel because he's like, I did nothing in the first one. Why would I come back for the second? Maybe I'm thinking of another actor, but I could be wrong. Um, we've got James Hong as Jeff Wong. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you were to open up his IMDb, you'd see that he's got like, I feel like 300 or plus credits. He's all over the place. He's probably best known as Lo Pan from Big Trouble in Little China. But I'm sure if you also threw a dart at his credits, you'd hit just a a slew of memorable roles. Well, is there it, one that I just want to point out, out for you? Uh, he is a, a Minneapolis native son born in Minnesota, 1929. I think people would forget that he's very much was born here <laughs> for mm-hmm. all, for all the character roles that he plays, you know, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's in everything. Like, uh, it's just crazy amount of stuff that he's, he's been in, but I think low pan might be his biggest, uh, his biggest credit, which he's still like, he'll do photo ops now as the character at conventions. I don't know if you've seen that. That's great. Cause I mean, he's getting older now, so it works out right. Like, uh, yeah. he's also Mr. Ping, uh, the, the noodle cart operator in Kung Fu Panda, the, the surrogate father of Jack Black's character. And he was also uh, Hannibal Chu in Blade Runner. Cause he makes eyes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, I was going to mention the, uh, Chinese restaurant, which is a famous, uh, Seinfeld episode that he plays the, um, the either the owner or the manager of the restaurant in that episode right, over and over again, right? As he calls out, right? Is that yeah. The yeah. Um, but uh, that's a pretty strong episode from Seinfeld uh, that he's a part of. Um, let's see, we've got Rip Taylor as Rip Taylor. Um, he's Rip Taylor. Uh, pretty much. So <laughs> watch this with my wife. And she's like, "What's Rip Taylor known for?" I was like, "This." Like, I didn't know what else to. <laughs> Because he's some kind of counterculture comedian from the 60s. I know that, right? Like he like he was along with the whole like I think he was probably like the whole like further and the Grateful Dead and all that kind of stuff where he was just like the weirdo. Right. And known for just being silly and fun and tossing confetti. I think he was actually a Woodstock as well. So that might be why that he's part part of this. Okay, I was wondering. I'm like, it's an odd inclusion, but I'm like, it's not not out of place in a Wayne's world movie. So I would, I, I never, never questioned it. Um, so there's a couple other names that I just want to mention here real quick. Uh, we have, uh, uh, Lee Turgeson as Terry. Um, this might be the least serious role I've ever seen him in. Uh, he was on the prison drama Oz, uh, for the run of that show. Um, and he's, uh, that show's dark. Uh, it's really dark. Uh, there's no light in that show at all. So, uh, He's really good there. And then I've also seen him in episodes of 
uh, Law and Order, which is where everybody from Oz seemed to go after that show ended, mm-hmm. uh, but also in dark roles. And then Dan Bell is Neil, uh, returning from the first movie as well. Uh, and notably, uh, before we started talking about the, the or started recording the episode this evening, Paul had mentioned that uh, somehow they get less time in this movie than they did in the first one, which is not that they were huge parts, but they're part of the, the crew. Um, and they really don't have much to do here either. So, yeah. so anybody else you want to mention? Or is that, is that the, the big ones? No, I mean, it, it's written by, uh, Mike Myers again, along with Bonnie and Terry Tyler Turner. Um, boy, I, I don't know why I said Bonnie Tyler, Bonnie yeah, Turner sure. and Terry Turner. So, uh, and we got like, you know, guest appearances from, uh, Drew Barrymore, Harry Shearer, Ted McGinley, Tim Meadows, uh, Jay Leno. Oh, well, I missed, yeah. I missed Ed O'Neill as, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah as, as Glenn. Uh, Charlton Heston shows up for a brief second and actually kind of a fun moment. Kevin Pollock, a young, young Kevin Pollock. Um, and then also the one that threw me off. Well, we've also got Heather Locklear and Kim Basinger shows up as well. Uh, but the one that threw me off watching this, I was like, wait, I was like, is that Bob Odenkirk? Like, and it was, and him and Robert Schmeigel were uh, together for like, 30 seconds of screen time. And I was really thrown off by seeing Odenkirk and like just play such a small bit role, which again, Odenkirk would probably do that again in a heartbeat. He'd be like, sure, I'll just mess around. But yeah, it was fun to see him. I like how it was like, you were like, did you leave anybody out? And I'm like, no. And then you named like eight people that well, I completely like, left out. No, 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 no. Like they're all just like, except for Kim Basinger, who actually has a bit of like, a, she actually has, she's got a more significant role, role than the all the other people that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will say, um, I very much had a thing for Drew Barrymore at the time. Um, yeah, still do, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, watching this movie, uh, her scene is by far one of the worst in this movie. And I'm just going to throw it on the table here, folks. I really, really wanted to love this cause I hadn't revisited it in many years and I didn't have very fond memories of it. And I did not enjoy it anymore the second time either. So thanks for out tonight, people. Thanks. All right, all right, everybody. Have a good night. No, I just <laughs> you know, I was, sorry, I was drinking. I was expecting you to say more. No, I just I was just playing. over. But that's it. No, shows I, over, everybody. You're like you know, for every three hour show, you get sometimes you get one that is twenty seven minutes long. No, uh, so <laughs> so I'll say yeah. this. Um, you know, Ghostbusters two was always a sequel that I thought. Uh, was lesser than the original. And it's still, it, it, it is. It's just, it's not nearly as good as the first one. But I revisited it right around the time that Harold Ramis died. And I was like, you know what? I don't give this movie enough credit. There's some really genuinely funny things in here. It's just that the plot falls apart and they don't know how to end the movie uh, other than like, well, we, we had a giant Stay puff Marshmallow Man in the first one. What can we do that's big? Let's bring the Statue of Liberty to life. And it's like, eh, it doesn't work as well as Stay Puft. I wish they would have found something different to do. Uh, but upon rewatch, I was like, you know what? This this isn't as bad as I thought it was. And I have actually kind of grown to to not love it nearly as much as the first one, but I, I, I'll watch it. Like, if, if I'm doing a marathon, I have no problems watching the second one. Um, that said, uh, for every laugh i had here i had many more moments where i was checking the time to be like oh my god i'm only this far in (laughs) so my apologies people i've also had a it's only monday but i've had a week so uh (laughs) 
hopefully I'm, and it I'm all not started too... with watching Wayne's world Two. No. Yeah. Um, you know what's it's weird because I'll defend things to death on here and talk about how I don't want to be the person who shits on things, but I got done watching this. and I was like really disappointed. So hopefully you had a better experience revisiting it. Than I did. Yes. And no. So <clears throat> I guess maybe we should back up just a second uh, to talk about, cause you'd mentioned that um, the first one made a lot of money and it was the most successful SNL adaptation. Uh, I mean, I still think so actually. Right. Unless there's, Unless there's been one since then. Oh, Coneheads um, easily. Okay. There, there no, you go. I'm kidding. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I know it did well. I mean, for what it was, uh, I've not seen Coneheads. But, um, Coneheads is okay, but yeah. it's 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 not great. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so I, I remember when the, the first one came out, I, it was, what was it, 92? So I was going on from, um, uh, was it seventh, like eighth grade to freshman year in high school. Movie was like perfectly like that was like every kid I knew had a black t-shirt and a black hat because of this, right? Like, and, or a flannel shirt, like, and just everybody, everybody thought Wayne Garth was the greatest, like same thing, like this, they, it, it just hit the right time. Right. And it was, it was, and I think the first movie is still really entertaining. I like the first movie a great deal. So whenever a sequel comes out, like almost less than a year later, um, of course we're excited for it. Uh, and I just remember watching at the time being like, well, that just, it just, it just was kind of flat even then when I was like a freshman in high school. And I'm like, I have, I don't think I've revisited this film since then. Uh, and so I was like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit, you know, underneath going on that I just didn't pick up the first time through. And I will say it's true that there's things I, I obviously was missing the first time through. And it's more of like, um, how, how tenuous this is at best. Like it is, it's like, um, I, I was watching it and I, and ultimately I'm going to land on, you know, I, you know, I like more than I don't like just because I like the characters of Wade and Garth. Um, so they can make things more enjoyable just by like their presence. So, um, but this is almost like, it's, it's almost like one big deleted scene from the first film in a lot of ways where it's like, we had some gags, some of them work, some of them don't work. And we really don't have connective tissue, but the, the studio is like, Hey, you made us a lot of money. We want to pay you. What do you got? And, um, and this was also like the ascension of Mike Myers where he was getting, um, a massive ego, right? So you're running into a guy who's starting to think that he can't do no wrong. And then we get this. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things coming together. Cause after this movie, he would go on to do Austin powers, which, you know, like that just like rocketed him to the top. Right. Um, but there, <laughs> you think there have been some lessons from this that maybe he would have learned going forward, but I don't think he took anything good away from it. Well, I don't know if you're commenting specifically on just the Austin powers part, but I will say there are a lot of things in here that I know. So I'm like, oh, well, he just does this again in, uh, Austin powers, whether it be the sexually suggestive name with honey Hornet, uh, the, um, the the falling pseudo down. kung fu fight yeah, um, yeah you know even the gag of i fall over i fall over again that's verbatim in austin powers what i'm saying though is like you know mike myers is a funny guy like he is he legitimately is a funny guy has some funny ideas but it's it's he's starting to reach that like uh nobody can tell me no and he happened to do so well with austin powers that like that just kind of you know <laughs> He, when people were calling him like the, the modern day Peter Sellers, 
I, I think um, like they um, crowned him that way too soon. But it kind of, I think it kind of, um, it kind of crippled his uh, his output in the sense because no one could tell him no. That that's my thought. <clears throat> For me, at least with the Austin Powers series, I would say any of them, including their sequels. I guess that would be any of them. All three of those films, I prefer to Wayne's World too. Um, do the jokes always work? No. Um, but they're all more preferable experiences than this. And I think, I think that's partially where this comes from is, is because I, I really do love the first movie so much that I found myself just disappointed. Uh, you, you described it earlier as a, uh, one long deleted scene. And what I initially written down and I did take a few notes. I wrote down, uh, this feels like unconnected skits that didn't make it to air. Um, there's some funny things in the movie. Don't get me wrong. There are things that, that I do find funny. The line about, uh, would you like to get dinner sometime? And he's like, I like to have dinner every night. Still a hilarious line. I, I laughed so hard at that. Um, but there are a lot of moments in this film where I'm just like, you guys are, are playing up on the thing of like, Oh, we're going to do the same joke and we're going to point it out. Yeah. They do that a couple times, but then there's also times where it's like, there are funny things that are in Wayne's world that are, you're like, Oh, you could have totally exploited that more at O'Neill is a great example. Like, why do we only get him one scene? Like he's, I'm not saying you got to build the movie around him, but like, I would, I would find ways to insert Ed O'Neill into the movie more. Why couldn't you, why couldn't you made him the roadie, the roadie character and have him be the one that's going to lead the group. Right. Yeah. Like, like I'm not saying that the other gentleman wasn't funny cause he had some good timing and like, I like his bit of how he slowly went from being like, Oh, I was this great, you know, roadie to we're going to open fire on concert goers. Like that was like, I mean, the escalation got a little weird, but man, I would have loved to see Ed O'Neill be that guy to try to whip all the roadies into shape. That would have been amazing to me. I, I a hundred percent agree. And uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, other things that I put in my, okay, so this is a big one. So our, now admittedly, the first Wayne's world, it's not, it's not a movie that's known for its plot, but this is so bare thin. And I think one of the big problems with this movie is, is that Wayne's world as a show is not even, there's two scenes where we actually see them doing Wayne's world and it plays no bearing into the rest of the movie. Other than like, hey, you're the guys who do that show. Whereas the first one is all about them dealing with them being co-opted by uh, a corporation or, a, or at least a sponsor who's going to change their show. And I thought, oh, you know, wouldn't it have been interesting to see like <laughs> perhaps if they would have explored the idea of, uh, you know, other people doing the same thing as them, but making money from it or something that would have put the show in jeopardy. Like I, I felt like you know, at least there's a central plot for both Wayne and Garth in that. Whereas with this, they're like, well, we got to find something for Garth to do. Um, because Wayne is the one who wants to put on this concert. And it's, it's, it's lacking because Garth's stuff by himself isn't nearly as strong as it is in the first one. Yeah. And I also would say that I feel like Dana Carvey and Mike Myers were closer to equals in that first film in terms of, I'm sure of like, uh, like I mean, Dana Carvey, I think was the bigger name, initially in Siren Live than Mike Myers, right? I, I would think he, so. He was. And actually, yeah. at the time of the first one, uh, Paramount said, like, you can do Wayne's World, but you can't do it without Dana Carvey. 
Uh, he was that big at that time. I think people don't know that because he his career sort of dies down after Wayne's World 2. I mean, we, we did talk about uh, the failure of the Dana Carvey show, but like there was a point where he was talked about being the successor to Carson, even though he I don't think he wanted it. <laughs> But like his name was thrown around, or at least being the successor to, to Letterman in the twelve thirty spot, and um, he had deals all over the place where people were so big on him because he was just a hit machine with characters on Saturday Night Live. Um, and I, I did see uh, in some of my research for this that you know they weren't necessarily best friends, but they weren't nemesis either. Apparently, Sarah Live, the way Lauren gets good performances out of people is, is that he puts them in competition. So they're both trying to outshine the other. Um, but I believe that uh, Garth, actually, Garth, Dana Carvey had a, a larger deal uh, for the first Wayne's World than Mike Myers did. I think he got a million and Mike Myers got 600 million out of 600 million, 600,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I believe uh, he actually left at one point like three weeks before the movie was start to shoot he was like you know what there's not enough garth in this and i don't really know that you need me for this movie so why don't i just walk away and they rewrote a lot of it to find places to put put garth and i i, I know penelope spiris also said that she did a lot of things where she would shoot it the way it's scripted the way dana carvey wanted it and the way um mike myers wanted it um she's like it was awful doing it but i did also then have three different versions to choose from to try and assemble this movie um and i think uh it's not really a hidden fact that uh, there's no love lost between penelope spheris and mike myers for a very long time i think they uh at some point finally reconciled but uh there's rumors that he sort of clashed with her on the set of the first wayne's world and sort of ruined her career afterwards um which is you know, not surprising that she wouldn't want to, I shouldn't say ruined, uh, but he, he definitely took steps to try and keep her from doing other things, I guess, is my understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no real factual stuff to that. A lot of this is stuff that I'm reading on the internet. So it's probably 80, 20, uh, with 20 of it being true and 80% of it being garbage. But, um, the nature of the two actors, the script, all those things that were kind of awful that bore out this great first movie came into the second movie and I think just ruined it. And I think that they didn't have somebody strong enough to come in and be like, Hey, um, I know you made us a lot of money, but <laughs> yeah. let's try and figure out a better story. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, like I, this almost feels like, like if you, if you said to me now that, um, Wayne's world was coming back as like, a Netflix original series of like six episodes. And it would like, and it would have been like Wayne has to try to find purpose in his life, put on a concert. That feels like that would be something like a little bit more long form to try to figure out as opposed to, um, this movie where, uh, it's just like, Oh, you go to spirit quest. You meet Jim Morrison and Jim Morrison says, if you book it, um, the bands will show up, which basically you could also equate that to, well, if you just, if you just write, stuff people will show up to the theater right that's almost the same mentality especially when jim morrison at the end's like i don't know man it's just it was just to get you motivated it's like i feel like he get kind of crapped on as um as a moviegoer where it's like jim morrison didn't you know like the, the main like the spiritual driving force for wayne didn't even believe what he was saying and so how are we supposed to believe wayne whenever like this was supposed to be his big thing 
you know, and this must be the sequel. It's like you, like when you said the movie didn't have an ending, it really doesn't like it is, um, it, nothing, nothing really. I mean, hooray. Um, Aerosmith shows up. None of the other bands he mentions when he's going to talk about his big concert show up. So if you're a concert goer, um, wouldn't you be a little pissed about that too? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, piggybacking off of that idea, um, why is it that they could find nothing interesting to say about uh, Cassandra or Tia Carrere's character uh, other than really doing the same story from the first one, but doing it worse with, I love Christopher Walken. I think he's a hilarious guy. He has nothing funny in this movie. At least Rob Lowe gets to be like, he, he's, he's charming, but he's also smarmy and awful. Um, and at least his, his character in the movie has an effect on both Wayne and Garth and yeah. uh, Tia Carrere, which here, um, Christopher Walken's character of Bobby, he's just there as an obstacle. And the movie actually does a, uh, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the movie now. Um, the graduate, the graduate it, it does yeah. the ending from the graduate in it. Uh, which is something that we'd already seen parodied in other places better, unfortunately. And it makes no sense why she would be even willing to marry him. Uh, other than Garth and her break up. I'm sorry, Wayne and her break up uh, because he's jealous. jealous. Because that's the exact same beat from the first movie with yeah. them, right? Um, so, yeah, there, you're right. There's no arc there. Um, there's, there's, I mean, or I should say it's the same arc for whatever, you know, whatever reason. Um, yeah. The, so it's basically the same, the same part of the first movie, which they, they poke so much fun at like, you know, sequels and everything like you got, um, or referencing other movies. Like you mentioned the graduate, there's that Jurassic park sequence that I'm like, whatever. Um, what else? There's so many other things in there too, that they, that like, that they do that it's like, it just, it, it's like, it didn't have its own identity. So they're like, well, it's just a sequel. So we'll just go to parody. And mm -hmm. that's, that is not a good way to go. Like, uh, cause the first movie had its parody bits too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I know that they did the selling out montage thing with uh, the new right. Or Excedrin. It was new right? The tiny little yellow different where they had mm -hmm. the whole like sell out of all the things where like, that was funny. Um, and, um, I know they did the Scooby-Doo ending, right? And then this one, mm -hmm. it's like, they didn't even do, like, they didn't even do the doodle-a-doo with their fingers. They didn't even do like the wavy effect, <laughs> right? Like when they, when they cut between the endings, it's like, you can't even bother to do the thing people remember from the first movie, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Why, why is it that UHF pulled off like random parodies better than Wayne's World 2? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but like, so there, there are things in here. I do want to point out that I, I, I do like, I mean, I don't mind Wayne as a character as uh breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. I don't mind Garth doing that. Sometimes I think that's fun. Cause if it's like Garth is aware of the movie as well. Uh, and then having Ed O'Neill like look straight at the camera and like, you know, whatever it was he was saying, I love that. Um, so yeah, like there's things in there that I still like. I like that Wayne was like, there's that, like, there's that Batman, uh, you know, the, the TV series, like homage there. It's like, I thought that was funny enough. It wasn't bad. I just like that Garth was sliding down the pole making all the, the, you know, the excited noises as mm -hmm. he was sliding down the bat pole. Um, at the, the beginning of the film, like, I, I don't know, like there's things in here that are okay. And there's bits in here I laughed at, but it's like, it's, um, what I think of uh, what I think of this movie is 
and you just have to follow, follow me for a second. It's going to get a little weird. Uh, county fairs. We would go to the county fair every August. And I remember one year, uh, my brother wanted cotton candy to take home with him. So he bought this big thing of cotton candy, but it wasn't in a bag. So we walked down the hill and it's gone because you carry cotton candy and it just it dissolves. And I think that's kind of what this movie is. It's like, I want this. And it's like, you get to the bottom of the hill, like, where did it go? There's nothing here. Like this film was just cotton candy. Right. And in, in regards to uh, earlier when we were talking about Garth's side story, his love story, we had already kind of seen that with Donna Dixon's character in the first one as well. It's, it's done here a little bit, you know, more largely, but it really has no ultimate bearing in the movie. If you took that out of the movie, you wouldn't miss it. Like it, it would not be something that you would be like, Oh, what's Garth been doing? It really would have no impact. And, um, I also wanted to mention, uh, I, I have a few things that really grate on me when I watch a movie, but I, I always, and I don't know why this is cause it seems to be a comedy trope, but they seem to, uh, fall into the idea of like, well, we got to find like a romantic interest for, for Garth at the end or someone that he, who would be into him. And it's literally just the girl version of him. And, I'm still, I don't understand why that character's there uh, other than she's into Garth for some reason and just looks like him. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, and it's also like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't understand that either. You're right. That's when you pointed it out to me last week before we, like after we got done recording, like I was like, yep, that makes that like that, that will forever bug me now too. Like, so thank you for infecting me with the truth. About that. <laughs> well, it, it, it happens also in uh, the Adams family too, which uh, was another sequel that uh, I had revisited in the last couple of years. And I was like, Oh, there's much more here that I like than I just like, because it wasn't that I walked out of Adams family too. And I was like, screw this movie. But I was like, ah, it's not the first one. And there aren't as many gags as I like it in the first one. And Fester's ultimate love interest at the very end of the movie is, a woman who looks like him. Like, I'm like, why is that? That's so weird. Uh, so that's two sequels now that I've mentioned that I've revisited and had warmer feelings to. And I think, I think it's partially just because I like the first one so much that I didn't get that experience again. Not, not that experience again, but I, I, I wanted to be like, Oh, I've spent, I don't know, at least 20 years probably or more away from this movie. Um, Cause I'm sure I'd seen it one more time after the theater, uh, either at a friend's house or on cable or whatever. But I really wanted to walk away from this and be like, Oh, you know what? It is better than I gave it credit for. And unfortunately in this case, it's just not, I, well, there, there's bits in here that you see like, Oh, they had something there. Like the, like the one thing that caught me off guard that I liked was uh, when they're at the concert at the beginning of the movie and they're crowd surfing, which I did like that with um, uh, Dana Carvey being like, I'm having fun. And he's like terrified being passed along with people. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they get off the edge, insecurity pulls them off like in the background you see um, a, a pizza guy get pulled off the top of the crowd you see a goat come off the top of the crowd from being surfed yeah. over and then you see a refrigerator like that's a Zucker Brothers gag and I loved it I loved that that was going on in the background I'm like give me more of that please you know like there was a sequence where Wayne was on the phone and the toaster caught on fire and there was no payoff for that like when he was yeah, talking. there's there's no payoff to that, and I don't understand why comrades is supposed to be funny. Oh, oh yeah, the yeah. Other than the the gag of, uh, well, we're having a party there, so it's a communist party. Like, just 
Okay, great. Yeah. But um, then they go there and it's nothing but like Soviet Union um, slash USSR stuff yeah. like I, I i'm like i don't i don't get that why is yeah i don't get that either that seemed like way too much like and then they had to go back to it like again because you know obviously they spent money on the set i didn't yeah. understand that um <laughs> as, as as dumb as it was even though i didn't like it the first time through and i'm still not a big fan of it i i like the idea of him when he's spying on cassandra and they're dressed up like in different him and his, his you know and and garth and his his buddies dressed up in different outfits like trying to help spy and it eventually turns from Mission Impossible into the village people. That's mm-hmm. kind of funny to me. Like I mean, you see it coming from a mile away, but I do, I do like that it's it actually served two gags. So at least there was thought put into that. Right. I was worried that it was going to take an ugly turn because I'm like, right. oh, this is from the era of of time where uh, things now aren't. Uh, aren't the way they were 30 years ago. And thankfully it did not. Uh, cause I was really like, Oh no. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean versus the time whenever Wayne makes the point or sorry, when, um, Mike Myers makes it a point to comment about how his girlfriend does his laundry and gets it so clean. And yeah, the, the cow gone thing. Yeah. Um, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know that it was cool then either. No, it's not no, particularly no. funny in that scene either. I don't remember that being a gut buster, uh, at the time. I'm trying to think of things that I like because I, again, I don't want to sit here and just shit on the movie, but I, I'm at a point where I just don't know. So with, with that being said, I mean, I, I, like, I, let's, let's try to have a little bit of like, I, let me see if I can couch this constructively, which I mean, that's my, that's not my strong point. So bear with me here. Um, it's my Wayne's world two of character traits. I'm kidding. Uh, wh- like, what is it about comedy that seems to like, you know, like we, we, we've talked about like, you know, like superhero sequels. We talked about horror sequels, all this other stuff. Like where, what is it about comedy? That's like, if you, if you don't get it right after the first time, then there's no going back to it again. What, what is it about comedy that, um, like with sequels that either like they're, they, um, they either build upon or they're just DOA. Like, what is it about the sequel? Okay. So I'll use another example, which is, it's unfair to use this only because it's so close in the style of comedy that it, it had, but if you look at Bill and Ted's bogus journey, what I think works about that movie is is that like it goes in a completely different direction than the first one does. Like there's no time travel and they go to hell. Um and they also go to heaven and you have you introduce the Grim Reaper. Uh there's so many different levels to that movie. Uh, the jokes of a lot of them are the same style jokes, they're just done differently, you know. Uh those two characters don't grow a whole lot. Uh, between the first two movies, but we do see them in Bill and Ted's face, the music, which is a thing where I was always like, I, I could see a Wayne's world three, maybe like, it'd be interesting to see what Wayne and Garth are like as quote unquote adults. You know, what would that be like? And then I saw those Uber eats commercials and I was like, Oh no, we're good. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I don't mean that to be mean either, but I was always like, yeah, I could always, I, I could, I could take a third helping of Wayne's world, even though, I didn't remember liking the the second one, but I liked those characters so much that I was more than willing to to get to see them again. And uh, it's fine if they pop up on Silent Live here and there or other places, but I, I don't want a Wayne's World three. But I, I think that 
what Bill and Ted does, taking two characters who are very similar, is that it builds on their story. And yes, there's a lot of similarities between the two, but at least it goes in new places. And not a lot of the jokes are repeated. Um, maybe that's just me, but I think that's also the strength of Clerks 2 is, is that uh, we talked about it early in the year, but what I like about Clerks 2 is, is that you know, the first Clerks is about being in your 20s and not knowing what you want to do with your life. The second Clerks is about approaching your 40s and being like, oh shit, I still don't know what to do with my life. Um, which I think is a much better question to ask when you're, you know, late 30s, early 40s to ask. Um, it's something that I still relate to. So it at least takes those characters in, in the same direction, but in a different direction, if that makes sense. It expounds upon the story and tries to give you a little bit more with what the characters are doing. Whereas with this, I, I feel like it neglects some of the best parts of the first one and goes on a weird sequel. Uh, uh, I was going to say weird sequel. It goes on a weird series of events that don't feel connected and feel just disjointed. And a lot of them, if you took them out, you wouldn't miss. Like, I honestly think if you took Del Preston out of the movie, you wouldn't miss him at all. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? No. And they Whereas didn't, they if you took the Grim do... Reaper out of Bogus Journey, you'd totally miss him. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like, there's. Yeah, there's a lot of that that um, you know, it, it could have been it could have been explored further, and especially like I, I don't know if Wayne's big purpose was to hold a concert. That feels I mean, whatever. It just feels like what am I supposed to do with my life? It's like hold a concert. Okay, like that doesn't seem like that big call to action, you know, because he's already successful with the show. They have enough money to move into an abandoned doll factory or whatever it is. Which again, they they set that up and didn't really do anything with it. That'd have been fun to have more mm -hmm. doll gags. There's the one with, uh, that sounds like a terrible state, doll gag. Um, that, uh, like when they're playing like uh, hockey again, like the first movie, and then Garth has the one doll head on the, the his end of his goalie stick. Like that was kind of like, oh, that's, it's a funny little like, you know, psych gag, but they didn't do enough with the doll factory. Like, mm -hmm. why would they bring that up? Why is that a thing? You know, I don't know. Um, but they're financially, I mean, enough to rent like that whole area to make a studio. So financially, they're well off. Where, like you mentioned, like where could you, where could you hit uh, hit Wayne as a character to actually force him to do something? Because he doesn't grow up at all. And in like in, in the first movie, he learns a lesson, right? Supposedly, because he yeah. sells out, right? And this one, what does he learn? Like, apparently, if you just want something bad enough, whether it's good or bad, you know, whatever the result is, at least you tried. <laughs> Which. And that's what Jim Morrison says to him when he's like, I don't know, it's your movie, man, figure it out. But, you know, I, again, it, it feels weird to be so critical of a movie from uh, 28 years ago at this point. Uh, and, and you'd mentioned that you were in high school. I was in my first year of college and I was in high school when the first one came out. So um, I remember like a lot of people like before I saw this, like telling me like, yeah, it's not good. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way it can be, can't be good. And this should have hit me where I lived at that time. I was a huge Silent Live fan. I was a huge Wade's World fan. Um, and I was actually a, a big Aerosmith fan at the time. I saw them the same year in concert. So I, I would have been prepped for something like this. And it just never really gets there. It was like they made a made-for-TV sequel to Wade's World. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I feel like there's there's ways that they could have made it uh, interesting or done something a little different with it, and 
you know, it's easy to be the Monday morning quarterback 28 years later. But it, uh, maybe it's just that when you're in the middle of something like this so big, you don't see it. Um, and for all the gags that do work, there's way more that don't, unfortunately. Well, what about the bit whenever um, oh, Dana Carvey's at the bar talking to somebody and every time a girl walks by, he does, he says swing and he like thrusts his hips out. Has that aged well or not? I don't know. Like that whole bit. Yeah, that really did not age well. <laughs> I actually, one of the things that I did watch also in preparation for this was the uh, MTV special for the release of the movie. And uh, there were actually jokes from that that I remember watching. Um one of them being uh, sequels for music videos, and one was uh, Metallica's Still Unforgiven, which is funnier now because they did, did technically a write an Unforgiven 2 and an Unforgiven 3. Um, there's also, uh, I don't know if you remember U2's uh, video for Numb, but uh, yeah. it's like The Edge being like roped up and like it's just his face and people like singing around him, and it's very weird. But they did that with Garth, and I was like, oh, that's still pretty funny. There are things actually in the MTV special that were actually funnier than the movie, but there's a whole section of like, it's our top 10 babes. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hold up so well these days. Well, and it's funny because if you think about it, we, we did uh, an episode about uh, trailers and you actually mentioned one of your favorite trailers is the teaser for Wayne's World 2, right? Because um, there was one that looked like it was the beginning of the Abs family, but it was actually Wayne's World. Is that the one you're talking about for Wayne's Yeah, it's the yeah. first Wayne's World. Oh, was yeah. it the first one? I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then my mistake. This has no bearing on this conversation whatsoever. <laughs> um, no, there's a THX trailer for for the second one that's pretty funny, too, with them doing the whole audience's listening thing. But it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I was hoping there would be a little bit more traction on these tires, but I don't think there is. Like, I mean, not that... It was perfectly okay. It's very disappointing compared to the first film. I didn't hate watching it. I, you know, it was just like, much like you, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is it. This is all we're getting. Um, you know, I don't know. Like I was hoping for a little bit more to either, either like good or bad to really get your fingers under to talk about. And I really like it. This thing's so, um, amorphous that it doesn't, it doesn't really have any edges to really dig into. You know, and that's, I think that's probably its biggest sin is that it really has no shape. And I just thought of this too, in, in thinking about the, uh, MTV movie special for Wayne's world Two. Uh, it's them, you know, the whole special is them on set of, of the actual Wayne's world show. Um, you know, doing a show if you will, but, uh, in the movie, one of the jokes is about the leprechaun, uh, but what's weird about that is, is they actually do it better in the MTV special because he keeps freaking Garth out with the leprechaun thing. But they keep coming back to it where like they're like, I wonder what's under this. Like they look at different videos and they'd be like, I wonder what's under that guy's shirt. Because it would be something that would be like blocked by, you know, the uh, whatever you call um, whenever there's content on a T-shirt or something that you can't oh, yeah, yeah. show because of copyright. And then Wayne would be like, let's remove it. And it would be like a picture of the leprechaun. And he'd start doing, I'm the leprechaun. And like Garth would freak out. And I'm like, how do you do it better in your MTV special than you do it in the movie? Like, it's an actually funny bit. Uh, it's I'm not saying it's high comedy, but I'm like, oh, it's a funny thing to to throw in. 
why is it funnier here than it is in your actual movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, um, yeah, I uh, so let's. Let, let, I got some other information here. We'll do. We'll do some other context here. So, uh, it. Um, when it was released, released in December, which also feels like a weird time to release this movie. This this feels more like an early summer film, right? That feel, yeah. that feels more breezy to me. Uh, so yeah, when this came out, um, you I think you mentioned the original Wayne's World made like 120 million at the box office. Um, this one, the budget was higher, uh, it, but it was budget was like 48 million or something like that. And then it's um, oh, where did I have it at here? Um, uh, sorry, it was, its budget was around forty million, and uh, Wayne's World Two made thirty six million. It uh, looks like at least that year, maybe a little bit later, it trailed in. So it didn't didn't even really break even, according to Box Office Mojo. Uh, it was number forty one that year for nineteen ninety three. I know it was released late in the year, but um, well, let's do um, let's do some uh, higher or lower, Steve. How about that? Will that make you feel better? We get a little bit more uh, content in here, a little bit higher or lower versus Wayne's World Two. No, no. Oh, yeah. okay. no, let's go okay. and do it. <laughs> uh, Sister Act Two: Back in the Habit. That's a sequel, higher or lower than Wayne's World. 2. Oh, that was huge. That that did way better. Uh, well, maybe not the year gross. It says it did less than. So maybe I'm not looking at this did right. They? Maybe that year. I'm, maybe I'm it, surprised. I remember that movie being very popular. Yeah. So uh, it was released. I, it was released December 10th. So that might not be counting. I, oh, so total gross was 57 million. So you're right. So it did do better overall but for the year but that's not fair because wayne's world came out the same weekend were they so, released on the same weekend yeah it looks like it weird yeah okay. okay um let's do something that's a little bit more uh let's see here hot shots part do you Ooh, uh it's interesting because we talked basketball last year uh or maybe it was earlier this year but uh we didn't do any zucker brothers since there's the naked gun movies i, I guess we're only halfway through the year but we didn't do any Naked Guns. We didn't do the Airplane sequel. We didn't do um, Hot Shots Part Deux. Uh, but I, I remember seeing that in the theater and enjoying it more than this. So I'm going to say it did better. It did do better. Not by much. $38 million, So it was number 37. The comedy stylings of Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Uh, Adam's Family Values. So you mentioned the sequel to Adam's oh. Family. Higher or lower? <sighs> lower, I'm going to say. Higher. $44 million. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. What else we got? There's a, there's a couple here that surprised me. I mean, again, it might just be, Oh, here, Robin hood, men in tights, higher or lower. I'm going to say lower because I feel like even though it was a Mel Brooks movie that I think people have fond is for now, I don't remember it doing well when it came it's out. It's not even that great now. Um, <laughs> I, I remember liking it as a kid. Cause I think I didn't understand that. Like there's a difference between funny and stupid. You know, like mm-hmm. I like I hate to say it because I mean, Spaceballs is funny. Men in Tights is stupid. Um, I, I think my favorite joke in Men in Tights is just Richard Lewis's mole keeps moving. Yeah, um, yeah, and just um, I, yeah, Dave Chappelle's in it too, so that's always good to see. But so it did it did worse uh, than Wayne's World too. Uh, the Sandlot, everybody's favorite movie uh, growing up. I've never seen The Sandlot, and I know that people have an affinity for it. I don't. So I'm going to say it did better. It did worse. And Steve, you mm-hmm. and I are friends for a reason because I've never seen The Sandlot. And I'm sure it's a wonderful film, but it's one of those ones people look at like I punch them in the face when I say I haven't seen it. So that it makes me not want to watch it. You know? Like, yeah. What? Uh, what? You've not seen I, The Sandlot? It's like, I have not seen The Godfather Part 2. Which one do you think I should get to first? You know? Like, <laughs> 
I, I know the, the line, you're killing me, Smalls. I've heard it quite a few times, but I've never actually seen the movie. That's the only thing I know about it. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll just do our, do the top 10 for the year for 93. So we've got Jurassic Park, obviously outpacing everything. The Fugitive, The Firm, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Indecent Proposal, uh, in the line of fire, Aladdin. Uh, look at that, uh, Rob Williams cleaning up uh, that year. Cliffhanger, cliffhanger, really? Okay. Ronnie Harlan was on his hot streak at the time, yeah. right off of Die Hard Two. There he you go. Cliffhanger, I believe. I yeah. could be wrong. I think you're right. I feel like that's his follow up. Cliffhanger's not great. I, well, I need to. I need no, to watch it's not. It, but it's not great. Um, A Few Good Men was number ten. Free Willy was at number eleven. So. There you go. Stupid whale movie did better than um, Wayne's world too. Um, I also noticed here that the number one song uh, when Wayne's world had come out on uh, December 10th, I think you'll find this funny just because the connection to the first movie uh, was um, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that by meatloaf mm-hmm. um, because that meatloaf was in the first movie and the, you know, the guy working the, he was the bouncer at the gas works. So, <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah, and he's just like, That's... it's like, uh, shitty Beatles, is that just a clever name? No, man, they suck. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, that's what we have there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think any, any time we pick something to watch for this show, um, you know, I, th- I think it's worthy of conversation, whether or not how far that goes. I mean, you know what we, we, uh, we did news for about 20 minutes and we're about what, I don't know. We're a little past an hour. You know, how, how much time do you devote to Wayne's world two? Because Wayne's world two didn't devote that much time to Wayne's world two. Yeah. It's, it's just a shame. It was a movie that I had hoped revisiting. I would find the good in other than the bad. And I found myself finding way more bad than good. And, you know, they can't all be winners and they can't all, strike you differently 30 years ago sometimes you know you hit the your, your opinion 30 years ago might be the same one that you have today but uh i i just i wish that uh it would have been better uh it's it's a shame because uh you know uh wayne's world is such a i wouldn't say it's an important movie to me but it's a movie that still makes me laugh hard every time i re- revisit it oh that's, so, that's an easy one i could put on in the background you know it's like one of those uh just I, there's a certain comedies that I have no problem just having on. And that's one of them. And this one, you know, not so much. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, again, like I'm not trying to be like uh, a formative, like this is the wage world movie, you know, formative movie growing up. It's like, sure. I liked it a lot and I, I enjoy it still, but yeah. Um, I think this movie suffers from, uh, it, they, the turnaround time. Like if they would have let this thing percolate for like maybe another year, I know that I know Mike Myers was in big demand and he wanted to do Austin powers, but if you were to given this just a little bit more time to cook, um, there's also a story too, about how Myers, uh, based his original script proposal on a movie that, um, that, no one's seen. Well, th- that too, but because it's such a direct homage to the original film of passport to Pimlico as a British comedy that, um, that, uh, what was it? Who, who's the studio that produced this paramount didn't have the chance to buy the rights to it just in case, like just cause that's what happens with a lot of this, where if you want to do like an updated version of something, you go out and see like, Oh, what's it cost? Cause you don't want to get like sued out of the stratosphere. Uh, so with that, he was already going ahead with production and he, they, he never bothered to check if it was available. And so I guess there was a lot of time and money burned 
um, having. So part of this, part of the reason the script exists is because I'm sure there was a weekend where it was just like, okay, throw some shit at a wall. Well, we got, what's the page count? Good enough. Oh, now Garth also gets to be with Kim Basinger. But oh, by the way, I do want to mention him being domesticated and like uh, with him with his hair straightened sitting mm-hmm. on that couch is really <laughs> funny to me. I love that bit, especially whenever we find out that Kim Basinger wants him to kill her husband. Like that's funny to me. Like it has nothing to do with the movie, but like that, that sequence is really, really funny. Yeah. I, I I'll give it a, it's a funny visual. Uh, I don't know. The rest of it works for me though. Uh, him walking out with a gun though. And then just immediately <laughs> just like the ring the shrubs. Oh, I just, I, I just wish I, because w- what was, what was it? She, like she puts his head in his lap and he's like, he's a dead man. <laughs> like <laughs> I just kind of wish that they would have got Alec Baldwin to show up for a second. Cause he was married to Kim Basinger at the time. And yeah. he was, the, you know, and it's like, would that have been great for him to like be pounding on a window looking or something like that would have been that. I think that would have been a really fun little, like a little bit, but else credit Kim Basinger. She was game. She had fun with it. You could tell. Um, yeah. So here, let yeah. me let me just read this to you real quick. I don't understand how this works as a Wayne's World sequel, even if it's loosely based. I don't understand it. So let me read to you what the description of Passport to uh, Pimlico. Pimlico. Yeah. Am I saying that correctly? I think so, is sure. Passport to Pimptown. Okay. <laughs> The accidental explosion of an undetonated German bomb left over from World War II unearths a long-buried cellar containing both fabulous riches and a previously unknown royal charter from King Edward IV that cedes the surrounding land to the last Duke of Burgundy. Since the charter has never been rescinded, the London district of Pimlico is now legally the long-lost Dutch Duché of Burgundy. I'm not sure how you pronounce that word if I'm correct. sure. Uh, and therefore no longer subject to British law, including post-war rationing and pub closure hours. How the hell does that become Wayne's World 2? Well, like, I mean, the idea of like, the, like I see here, this is quoting Wikipedia. They were going to have Wayne and Garth fi- forming their own country and seceding from the U.S. after fighting an ancient scroll. So kind of the same thing in terms of like the plot beats. And I think that, I mean, you know. You know, they're, if they're going to make like Wayneland or whatever, like that, I guess maybe that could have been a little bit more like different enough for like what you're talking about, like versus like um, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. But I don't know if it would have been any better. Like, that's all. Just throw that out there. Yeah, I, I'm just like, wow, I. I mean, that's pretty far from what they actually end up with. I'll give them <laughs> that. But yeah, very much so. Uh, it's just weird that I, I, I'm like. I don't know how you go from that to that, but I maybe it would have been better. Who knows? Well, we'll probably never know unless someone puts out like they'll be like, we found the shooting script and they turn into a comic, which I do not want to read that. That would be uh, terrible. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I got nothing else for Wayne's World too. Um, I'm you know there there like you said, there's funny bits like there's there's decent little skit bumps here and there. I do like the two main characters, so I'm invested just because I do like Wayne and Garth. Um, I, but yeah, this, um, it, it is, it, this is the B side that the single needs to get out immediately. And no one listens to the B side. That's fair. I, I, I think you quoted it best when it feels like one long deleted scene. Yeah. So, okay, everybody mark your calendars there. Uh, like, you know, Steve and I did not come out glowing out the other end of a, 
what I don't know what that means. Glowing out the other end. That <laughs> all right? There we go. Um, Depends uh, on what end I'm pointing at you. But yeah, sure. Right? It's going to be glowing. I mean, just walk, you got to get that checked out. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to do it for our discussion about Wayne's World Two. Um, you know, your mileage may vary. Maybe it's actually a favorite of yours. If it is, um, cool. I mean. Everybody, everybody has to like something, right? Like I remember, I think Steve, I think I told you, uh, I, when I first moved to Cleveland, I was at a, like a party and I was just trying to like talk to anybody cause I didn't know like anybody at all. And this one girl was, she was talking to me and she's like, you know what my favorite movie is? And I'm like, what? She's like Jurassic park two. And I almost jumped from the balcony and just ran away because <laughs> I, cause, cause the whole thing was that she was sincere and I was confused. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, like, uh, like I, you know, I was younger. So you got that, like that, that part of your head. It's like, how can you, but it's more like versus the first one. Like I just, there was like, I don't like, what was it whenever the girl did the gymnastics near the Raptors? Like, I'm like, wow, where, where, where is, why is it? So I was really, so everybody has a favorite. So yeah. Um, Somewhere out there, there's somebody who thinks it's a better movie than the first one. They're yeah. wrong. But, you know. <laughs> Everybody's got their favorite. It's it's the same thing I say about comics. You know, everybody's some every comic is somebody's first. And somebody might love something that I think is utter garbage trash, you know, but at, at least uh it's it's important to them. So I will no longer continue to shit on Wayne's World 2. <laughs> so I mean so what you're saying is that uh, I'm going to look it up here. I got to get the name right. Um uh, cuz you mentioned that like, you know, everybody likes something. Uh what about a Hellraiser Bloodline? I think that's the no. Was that the one that you made me watch for? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, for the Wheel of Death. Yeah, it might have been that one. Um, yeah, what about that one? Uh, no, um, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. There's someone out there that's favorite uh, Friday Thirteenth is Jason X. Um, oh, actually, that, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. That's true. That's, no, no, it wasn't Bloodline. Bloodline has Doug Bradley. No. Uh, um, no revelations. That's the revelations, one that you made yeah. me watch. That was it. But wait, yeah, Jason X is a pretty good movie. So whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not a pretty good. I like that movie. So you're right. I guess I am that person. I'd be like, you know what my favorite Friday Thirteenth movie is? X. You know, um, <laughs> Hellraiser Revelations. No, uh, God damn, that movie was terrible. Revelations. That 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 was like I remember watching that. Like you talk about watching the clock. Oh my gosh. I was like, why has it only been five minutes? Like it was like, <laughs> it was so bad. I'm sure there's someone out there who prefers the remake to psycho to the original. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe, but all right. So, um, that's going to do it for us this week. You guys can find us on Facebook at invasion, Don't freak out. Do you check, check out your podcast players? You're gonna be like, where's the other half of this episode? We don't know either. Blame Wayne's World too. Uh, but you can find us there. You can email us directly at invadingpodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. That would be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you? Uh, and also, where are you going to be? Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be in sunny Dayton, Ohio. Although it's, it's you know, July, so it could be rainy. Who knows? Uh, but I'm going to be in Dayton, Ohio at Gem CityCon, along with my partner, the Ryan, Ryan, the Ryan Cassandra. The Ryan Cassandra. 
<laughs> for uh, the Gem City Comic Con uh, to promote our comic, the Sirite Slasher. So uh, July 24th and 25th, Saturday and Sunday, we will be at Gem City Con. So please stop by, say hello, buy some comics, or at least just tell us that you like our comic or you like me as a person because that's important to me. So stop on by, say hello, uh, and if you're in the area, um, tell us where's a good place to eat. So uh, we, we're going to have uh, we're going to get there Friday night, so we're going to need places to, to eat and spend our, our dollars on dinner. So let us know where to go. And someone's going to come up and be like, hey, Wayne's World 2 is my favorite. And just flip your table over. <laughs> uh, they'll kick you and you'll just fall out of your chair and you'll be like, I deserve this. No. Um, you compare Bill and Ted's journey, yeah. Bogus journey to Wayne's World 2? Oh, yeah. you're so, so uncouth. So did you say how people could find your comic and actually buy it as well? Or are you just like pumping out? Your no, comic? I just promoted yeah. Gem City Con. My apologies. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. You can also go to Etsy if you want to buy a copy. If you're not in the fine city of Dayton, Ohio this weekend, you can go to the Art of the Slash on Etsy to buy our comic. Perfect. Go do that, everybody, because then Steve could he'd be like, everybody's comics, their first comic. They'll and, and he's like, I like Slash. Everyone's like, what? You know, that will that will start the conversation. It'd be amazing. Anyway, so um that that's me comparing it to like Hellraiser of Revelations. I'm sorry, that's not that's not what or Bloodlines or whatever the hell I just said it was. That's that's not true. Sire Slash is great. Revelations is not. All right. There you go. On a scale of of A to B. <laughs> On sorry, a scale Steve. of uh, no, Hellraiser Revelations, where does the Saturn yeah. Slasher fall? Yeah, um, um, yeah. Sorry, I, I did not mean to. Like, I don't know where I'm going with that. that just, it's this, fine. Yeah, it's, right. Whatever. Anyway, so drop the potato. It's d- fine. I dropped the potato. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's go do it for us this week. Uh, taking the week off next week because since Steve is going to be going away to the con, and I, you know, and I've, you know. You know, I've been keeping the ship upright here for most of the uh, Pale Boy summer and everything else. I you know I need a week off too, so we're gonna take a week off. Coming back in August, we're gonna be talking about um, the Netflix series, uh, the Kevin Smith produced He Man animated series. It's gonna be dropping. Uh, I I am stoked for this. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It looks awesome. I'm hoping that I'm like I understand that we're grown ups and we shouldn't be excited for like like uh, it looks like this is made for me right now, and I don't know why that is, but I want to watch it. I'm right there with you. I actually watched uh, Mr. Mark Hamill on Jimmy Kimmel uh, promoting uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe because uh, he's going to be playing Skeletor. So I am I'm all about it. So it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, so we're going to do that uh, week after next, first week of August. And the week after that, we're going to be talking about uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. So there's your programming notes, everybody. Um, that's Yeah, I got nothing else. Steve, have a good, safe trip. Sell all your books. Uh, eat like eat at nice places. Never think about Wayne's World 2 again. I don't know. I got, like, you know, Godspeed. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was only upset because I love the first one so much. So it comes from love, people. It comes from love. Yeah. We're, we're just going to do the make it happy ending now where we just play music and we're out. So <laughs> see you soon, everybody. Doodly-doo.
crime.